RadioInfluence.com. Welcome into the midweek edition of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd. I am joined by Dale Galvan. You know, typically, me and Daniel are recording this on a Wednesday evening. However, this week's a little different for me as, uh, you know, you know, Daniel, there's this line in life, happy wife, happy life. And I kind of figured probably not a good idea to work the night before I'm leaving the country. I, I just kind of figured that was probably not a good idea on my front. Yeah, man. So it's, it's bright and early. We're bushy tailed and we're talking mixed martial arts and, uh, Look, man, I just hope that uh, she is going to watch the UFC pay-per-view in Madison Square Garden while you're away in Germany, right? No is, way. is that what she, she's no not going to do that? No. Oh, damn. No way. Damn. Well, I'm glad I could help you get out of the doghouse and, uh, you know, and... Uh, oh, and, it, it, and look, it didn't matter what you said. We were recording tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's, I, I will say this. It's going to be the longest flight I've ever done in my life. Ten hours. That definitely would be my longest flight. That's um, it's it's long, but it also seems short. Like to get from the United States to Europe in ten hours seems like. I mean, that's how long it takes for me to drive to Dallas, Texas. So, well, it's that's like, my that's my way of thinking of, of time and travels. So the idea that the the amount of time it takes for me to get to Dallas is how long it takes for you to get to Germany is um, pretty uh, pretty amazing. Shout out it, to the Wright brothers for inventing airplanes. It's like seven hours. To, well, seven hours to London. I've done that flight yeah. a couple of times now. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I really start when I was going through all my streaming apps, because, you know, we have a billion streaming apps. I was like, what shows can I download? What movies can I download? There was something I wanted to, I was, I wanted to download, but I could. I forget what it was. I don't know if it, maybe it was on Hulu. But, uh, but yeah, I think I, I got I to log into the Netflix and... Uh, well, there's this, I think, think I'm finally taking that Mansai Teo uh, doc. You should watch that one. It's pretty good. There's this movie I just watched. Um, it's a classic, and I'm sure you've seen it. It's about three hours long, and it's really relevant to our first topic today. Have you seen the movie Casino? Uh, not, I mean, it's been a long time <laughs> since I've seen it. It's like a Las Vegas mafia mobster movie. I'm just like, wow, that's really weird. I saw this movie on a Friday before the news came out on Sunday. Yeah, you uh, you sent me this news because so Saturday night I was at a, a wedding, which was open bar. So you kind of know how that was going. <laughs> and uh, by the way, always great people watching at a wedding, people dancing because I'm not a dancer, but always great to just people watch people. But you uh, sent me this story. And man, Daniel, this is a massive story. And I, what was it? Probably two, three weeks ago, we were talking about the UFC statement about prohibiting fighters and essentially saying anyone in a fighter's family team from gambling on UFC fights. And, you know, it, there was a lot of feedback in MMA community about this. And my general thought at that time was this really isn't a surprising move for a sports league 
like the UFC to do this because this happens in other sports out there. But man, when you sit there and you see the headline ESPN.com UFC fight under investigation after suspicious betting detected, boy, that sticks out to you. And like when you initially sent me the story, what to me was crazy about it was the fact of like literally ESPN was the only outlet running with the story. And we know how, our our media world is there's so many aggregate sites out there where one publication posts a story and they all start posting a story i want to say mma junkie was the second outlet i saw post a story about this um and and the one line that really sticks out to me with this article there's several things but one of the things was the very end of the story joey odessa who's a long time been the mma betting community And uh, he said this, he goes, doesn't mean a fix is in, but rather someone definitely knew something. And if you've not seen this story, the U.S. integrity is now launched an investigation of this because sportsbooks said there was suspicious gambling going on this where this line skyrocketed from, I want to say it was like minus 220 to over a four to one betting favorite. People are hitting the props on this one. You know, and and also part of this story says a source familiar with Minner's camp said uh, his left knee was absolutely injured going into the fight. But you also brought up a great point to me. Go back and watch the fight. If you got an injured leg, why are you throwing leg kicks? Yeah, that was crazy. The fact that, um, you know, think back to TJ Dillashaw, and we'll get back to that point whenever we get on a tangent about not only what went wrong here, but maybe another part, but TJ wasn't out here using his injured shoulder. Anyone with an injury, like right now I have a hurt tailbone. I don't know why. I think I was weightlifting or whatever. And Mm -hmm. it kind of hurts. I'm standing up this entire podcast instead of sitting down like I normally do because it won't hurt. (laughs) It's a simple common sense. The idea of having a hurt knee, which was in this report. And I got to give a shout out to Mark Raimondi and David Purdom for putting out this article because there's a lot of new information here and it's a hard hitting story. And as you mentioned, a lot of the other websites weren't covering this story and they didn't cover the story in the way that ESPN did. So yeah, the idea that you were going to throw two body kicks is just wild to me when you're injured. I'm not going to accuse this fight of, of being fixed because that's a very, very big accusation that would lead to someone being banned from the sport. But it's questionable why you would think to do that um, if you're injured. And, and that's why this is such a big story because it's a very high stakes story. If you can prove that this fight was fixed, if you can prove that, you know, s- someone knew inside information that was in the camp of Derek Minner and, and use that information, either bet or give that info away that's a major story because that person would probably be banned. And, you know, the elephant in the room, and again, the most important thing we should mention when talking about this story is currently there is no evidence that anyone has done anything nefarious. Uh, The UFC put out a statement, and I'm looking for it. The the statement said, at this time, we have no reason to believe either of the athletes involved in the bout or anyone associated with their teams behaved in unethical or irresponsible manners. They usually put out that statement. The key words is at this time. But the reason why the story is so interesting is the coincidences that are around it. Because you have Derek Minner, information coming out of Derek Minner's camp that wildly uh, create movement in the lines that cause 
several sports books to report suspicious wagering. And in Derek Minner's camp is James Krause, who is someone who I really enjoy his content. I really enjoy his YouTube channel. I'm probably biased towards his point of view, but he is someone who is known as a, a gambling expert, a person who has a Discord channel where people can pay to get his advice. He will even take over their accounts. He's someone who's very, very in the gambling world. And he's, to my knowledge, has never bet against any of his fighters. He's never shown this pattern of behavior, but he is in those gambling circles. And the coincidence of information coming out about a fighter that he trains with being compromised and his involvement in gambling is what makes this story suspicious. Yeah, of course, uh, you know, he has the the 1% club, which is what his podcast is. And if you remember when the UFC came out with their announcement about what they were doing, there was a lot of people in the MMA Twitter landscape that were saying, is this the James Krause rule? And James Krause has publicly said that he makes more money betting on fights than he does coaching fighters. And so uh, going to this article, what it says is it says, as sportsbooks grew suspicious of the unusual betting leading up to the fight, they contact the U.S. Integrity, which in turn conducted throughout analysis of the situation and alerted state gambling regulators and other sportsbook clients of the irregular betting roughly three hours before the fight began at 8 p.m. Eastern time. The betting didn't stop, according to the analysis, even after the odds moved to significantly less attractive prices. Uh, the relentless betting on the worst odds only increased suspicious among some bookmakers and the U.S. Integrity. Now, Matthew Holt, who is the president of the U.S. Integrity, he said this, he goes, quote, our goal as always is to notify the industry of any potential nefarious, abnormal, or suspicious activity as soon as possible so they can take action as quickly as possible. In this case, we hope that by sitting a couple hours before the fight started, we may have helped prevent some more suspicious bets from going through. And it's also noted uh, ESPN reached out to James Krause on Sunday and they got no comment from James Krause, which could be taken a lot of different ways. Now, is yeah. that is that now is that a situation of they text James, they call James, and James just never got back to them? Or is James realizing, yeah, me talking to the media is not a very smart move right now? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't released a YouTube video since the the fights happened, and he usually comes out with a, a recap of the fights, and I'm looking forward to that video. But it, it's, a, it's a tough situation for him. Let's say he didn't do anything wrong. It's just a weird topic to talk about, and it's a weird coincidence. And And it could not be him, right? It could be somebody within that camp, if somebody within that camp leaked information, you know, it – I'm sure the people around him are also big into gambling just because, you know, if one person's a big fan in your friend group and, and into it, I'm sure, especially as they're making money doing it, I'm sure people around him would be interested. So it's a, you can't say you, there's absolutely no evidence of anyone in particular at this point doing anything wrong. All we know is the lines move dramatically. All we know is Derek Minner was clearly injured. All we know is Derek Minner's performance at the UFC um, fight night was was really bad. He threw two body kicks, fell down, or threw two body kicks, got hit with the knee, fell down, and was just covering up, ready to get finished. Dominic Cruz, you could almost tell. I don't want to put words in his mouth because he didn't say it, 
But as the fight was getting finished, you could almost say like he was almost essentially going to say something along the lines. I felt like he's not really defending himself. He was kind of saying that or or fighting back, not really fighting back. He was just like this, just, you know, which if you're injured, you're injured, you're compromised. But it was a really fishy fight. That's all I got to say. Things were fishy. Things were crazy. Maybe nothing comes out of this. Maybe a lot comes out of this. I mean, it's it's a. Uh, it's something that could get swept under the rug, right? Because we live in this landscape where news travels so fast. Literally, all right, let's move on to Madison Square Garden. We got a pay per view, right? It's a uh, every day something crazy happens. I mean, think about think about um Kyrie uh Kyrie Irving. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember. Did he save somebody from the news cycle, or did uh, somebody save him? Oh, I don't know. I feel like like Kyrie Irving said some crazy stuff, and then all of a sudden Josh Primo from the San Antonio Spurs came out. And I'm just like, man, the NBA is a dumpster fire. There's so many bad stories coming out each each week. Here's my other point. Let's take away the gambling start stuff. Does the UFC need to do something about incentivizing fighters not to fight compromised? Because we saw it with TJ Dillashaw. It ruined a championship fight. Also, it provides the opportunity for insider information to swing the lines and and whatnot. We saw it with there. We saw it with Derek Minner. You know, a compromised fighter is a, almost a sure bet as betting on a PFL Challenger Series event. Uh, you know, what do you, what do you think about a fighter possibly fighting? Like, what should the UFC, if they can, do anything to prevent things like this happening again? I mean, look, it's unless they're willing to, to basically essentially put fighters on a salary, it's not going to change. Fighters are going to fight injured because, unfortunately, this is the only time they can get paid. I mean, y- you wish that there was some type of wave that a fighter like a Derek Minner, you know, and, and what I mean by that is, is a fighter who is, you know, a, an undercard type fighter. That's, I mean, let's be honest about it. They're just not fighting for a ton of money. You would hope that, hey, they could sit there and, and, maybe still on the sidelines additional three months. But the problem is these fighters know that if they pull out of a fight for say this week's card, they know they may not get booked for another four months. So, and then they realize if I don't have money sitting in the bank account, I got to fight. Yeah. It's, the unfor- it's the unfortunate part about it. I mean, it, it's, it's just, it's becoming this really weird situation because I mean, look, gambling is becoming the norm. In our world, I mean, just just think about any time you watch a sporting event. It doesn't matter what the sport is, whether we're talking about we're sitting at home on, on a Saturday night watching MMA, or it's a it's a Wednesday afternoon and you're watching some soccer match from around the world. The reality is, betting is integrated into that broadcast. Like now, if anyone inside Derek Minner's team was the one leaking this information. Derek Minner's career could be over. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. that's the reality of it. And, like, but the, the one thing is, is, I mean, look, obviously everyone's going to look at James Krause right immediately. But who says there wasn't just someone in Vegas who found out some information? Exactly. Like, totally think, right. Like, think about back at the beginning of the year when Eric Nixick said he was shocked that Francis Ngannou's knee injury didn't get out publicly until the day of the fight when he says, we, we've been in the PI for weeks and anyone in the PI knew he had a knee injury and that's the heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hell of a point, Jason, you bring up and 
that's the most important thing we can get across here is because the consequences are so big, if there was a bad actor, we need to make it clear nothing has been proven. We're just looking at things the way they lie. And it would be asinine not to point out the coincidences and, and the reputations of people. And, and not to say anything bad about anyone, just that it, it's just a crazy coincidence that the UFC um, bans outlaws gambling. Within a month, we have a gambling story. <laughs> it's just such a crazy coincidence. But So we'll see what happens. Maybe nothing will come of this. Maybe that statement from the UFC will be the last thing we hear from it. Who knows? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll end with, with this. A little little flashback, throwback to uh, past UFC gambling stories. Remember Leo Kuntz and Taiyun Bang? Yeah. Uh, I forgot about this story, and I was just reading up on it. How crazy was this? So Taiyun Bang, um, he, uh, let's see, he, he, uh, he took money from three brokers. He bet half of it. On his opponent, Leo Kuntz, the lines moved dramatically. The UFC went up to them and 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 had concerns. And so Bong had second thoughts, and he won the decision after betting against himself. And then he got back, and he went to prison for 10 months. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember <laughs> that story. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's, that's the dumbest gambling story I've ever heard. The dude bet against himself, and he still won the fight. Yeah, I know. I remember that was like, was that like a a Macau card? I want to say, um, it, it was somewhere in the Far East. I want to say it was Macau, China, where that car was at. It was in Seoul. It was, it was in Seoul. Seoul. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When is it? Olympic Gymnastics Arena in, in in Seoul? Um, yeah. So I wonder if I wonder how the line switched. I wonder if they got all this money and they're like, wait a second, are you the guy that's in this fight? All right, <laughs> something's wrong here. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, but this is going to be an interesting story to kind of see how it develops. Of course, uh, you know, the other big story, obviously, is Amanda Lamos going out there and stopping Maria Rodriguez in the third round. You know, look, the storyline heading this one was a Maria Rodriguez win. She's probably looking at a title matchup. Of course, Amanda Lamos, after this fight was over, said... Hey, I, I feel like I should get the title shot here. It's a big win for Amanda Lemos. You know, prior to this, her biggest win was Angela Hill. Um, you know, she puts herself right in contention. I don't know if she gets the next title shot. Yeah, I don't think she does, but I will say this. Um, Lemos has one thing going for her. She has a reputation, and it's a damn good reputation. Her reputation is she's the hardest-hitting strawweight in the division. That's an exciting type of fighter. I mean, it's either her or Jessica Andrade when we're talking about pure power, but when you're standing and trading – Lamos is the most exciting woman strawweight. So she's got that going for her. She went up against Marina. Early on, that fight was pretty boring because both fighters respected each other's stand-up. They were just kind of playing a chess match, but nobody moved a chess piece. But then eventually, you know, Lamos, you know, rocked Rodriguez. Rodriguez complained about the stoppage. I don't think it was that early. It was one of those situations where Marina really wasn't defending herself well. And as soon as the fight was stopped, she immediately became uh, Remy Bojanski with her striking defense. It's amazing how fighters are really good at defending whenever the fight stopped. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think Lamush gets the next title opportunity. Obviously, we have a fight coming up this Saturday. But after that, I don't think she gets it. But I do think she's one fight away. And I got to say, she's really freaking exciting. Oh, also one other thing. One of my favorite fighters is Danny Rodriguez. That fight was awesome against Neil Magny. That dude keeps on coming. 
Uh, if there's one fight that I want to see, I'm just going to double check it hasn't happened yet. It's uh, Daniel Rodriguez. Oh, never mind. It already has happened. I was going to say Daniel Rodriguez versus Tim Means, but that's who uh, <laughs> Daniel fought in his debut. So anyways, uh, I digress. Uh, but of course, uh, this weekend UFC 281. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to watch this thing live. I'll, I'll watch it uh, after the fact. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, look uh, UFC pay per views are where we're at right now. They're always a stacked lineup. I mean, I would tell you, is it wrong of me to say my number one fight is not the main event or co-main event? No, it's not wrong of you. It's not wrong of you. Right, because you're basically saying my favorite thing at this restaurant isn't the filet mignon, and it's not the delicious cordon bleu. My favorite thing is the chicken wings. You know, it's it's just enjoyable every single time. And I know what you're saying, Jason. I know that you're most excited uh, about uh, about um, uh, Carlos Yulberg and Nikolai Nigamoreno. Right, that's your big fight that you're hyped for. Clearly, yeah, clearly. <laughs> why, why are you hyped for Chandler Poirier, brother? Dude, it that has the potential to just be just a banger. If if those two guys go out there, and it just feels like it's been forever since we've seen Dustin Poirier inside the octagon. It's just stylistically, it's a matchup that just could be absolutely crazy. It's one of these fights that I do wonder. Are we going to get to the third round? And the mindset is going to be, God damn, I wish this thing was five rounds. Yeah, dude, I kind of wish um, they made a, a what's the the BMF championship? Let's uh let's put that one on the line in this fight because you're totally right. I I uh, I think if this goes the distance, we're going to be wanting more because this this is just going to be an awesome fight. I mean, Dustin is is one of the most exciting fighters, and Michael Chandler has been a part of some great fights. The fight with Eddie for, for Michael, I mean, how can you forget the fight against freaking Justin Gaethje? That's one of the greatest fights I've ever seen in my entire life. This lightweight division is super exciting. You know, this is a, a fight befitting a Madison Square Garden, right? Like, it's really great that we're going to have this fight card in MSG. It's a magical place. And uh, I think there's a chance there's something special in the air. And this could be a fight of the year contender. But when it comes to, like, analyzing this fight – and thinking who's going to win, you know, I, I think Michael's got the the power on the feet. Dustin's very technical and very skilled, and I and I just think Dustin has more skills than Chandler, and I think he's going to win this fight, right? If if Michael brings it down to the ground, Poirier is a hell of a grappler on the feet. Chandler's got the speed advantage, but excuse me, Chandler's got the power advantage. But Dustin doesn't get finished easily, and Dustin's one hell of an amazing striker, as we've seen. So I'm going to Poirier here, but it's it's a close one. If you were Chandler, the smart mindset would be to utilize your wrestling at some point in this matchup, just because of when you look at sometimes there has been the struggle Dustin Poirier's had when you know fires have engaged with the wrestling. But I I lean Dustin Poirier in this one. I just think it, it's a hell of a matchup. I'll tell you, before we get to the main event, Kobe, I think there's some other bangers on this card. Brad Riddell, Hinato Mancano, the um, feature matchup on the TV prelims. I like that one. What does Dom Reyes look like against Ryan Spann? I, I did. Did you see the Dom Reyes quote a couple weeks ago? No, I, I didn't John see Jones? it. Oh, God. He basically said that uh, John Jones is ducking him. I was like, what? 
I was like, you got to be kidding. I got, I got to find this quote. And I saw it and I was like, you have to be effing kidding me. Um, and uh, let's see here. Let me, let me find the quote. Choo, 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 choo. But basically he said, um, he essentially said, he's like, hey, he's running from me. I'm like, um, like, yeah, Dom, he's not running from you. Yeah, he's not. He's Man, that's a crazy quote. Look, Dom Reyes almost beat John Jones, you know. But uh, yeah, Dom Reyes, John Jones isn't ducking you. He's he's uh, he's got his okay. own issues. And so here's the quote. He goes, "I don't think he's going to fight this year, but then who knows? I think he'll start early in 2023. It's been so long since he fought, since we fought." That whole literally running from me, saying he didn't, doesn't get paid enough to fight me again. The whole deal was a complete joke. Then getting arrested again multiple times. Like, dude, make your mind up. I don't know who he's training with. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I don't really care, to be honest. It's just like, just either get on the silence permanently or get in the game. What you going to do? Like, Dom, come on, bro. Like, you're not... Like, John Jones, when he's thinking about fights... <laughs> He's not thinking your name. He's thinking of Francis Ngannou, Stipe Miocic. Yeah, yeah, man. I tell you what. Think of those three championship fights that Jones had against Dom, Santos, and Gustafsson. Fights mm-hmm. that John could have lost. Think of how much that took out of those three and their careers after that fight. I mean, they've all taken a turn. Dom has an opportunity to right the ship. He hasn't had that many outings since then. Um. Ryan spans an opponent he can absolutely go out there and beat, but this fight's going to be less about Ryan and more about Dom and where he's at and what he's done to to recover. And I think he'll perform well here, but, you know, a quote like that's a little bit concerning. It kind of feels like, uh, by the way, shout out to Renato McConaughey, who had a really bad outing last time out, but literally he was a late replacement opponent, I believe, against RDA and mm-hmm. It was just it was a bad matchup for him. He did a favor for the UFC and he got screwed over in terms of the uh, actual fight. Uh, so this is a more fair matchup and a good one against Brad Riddell. But man, we're kind of missing out, I think, on a Patty Pimblett and MSG. I know he's going to fight at UFC 282, but there's an obvious tell that the UFC probably wanted to get him in there, and that's the fact that Molly McCann's on this card. Yeah, uh, that they probably wanted to do the old Molly and Patty show. And man, had you replaced uh, Dan Hooker and, and Claudio? Is, which is a fine fight, but had you put Patty on there along with the Frankie Edgar retirement fight, damn, that's a five-fight card that's just absolutely stupid in terms of how good it is. But, uh, hey, Molly versus Aaron Blanchfield, let's go. I'm excited to see McCann fight again. She's she's become an exciting uh, fighter to watch, and I'm sure Patty will be in the house. Hopefully he's not super heavyweight. You mentioned about Frankie Edgar. This is going to be his final fight or quote-unquote final fight. <laughs> Because, you know, you never believe that R word. You never believe that R word. It's it's not allowed to believe that R word. But so on yesterday's podcast, I had Cody Brundage on. Cody trains with Chris Gutierrez there at Factory X. And he alluded to that apparently, because I was talking about, we, we, we so, I, I forget how we got in the conversation of his teammates. Um, I think we were talking about Chris Gutierrez. And we, we started talking about Jonathan Martinez, where Jonathan Martinez talks about how he's more scared to do interviews than he is to actually fight. He said he just, he hates interviews. And, Damn. and, but, you know, Cody was like, he's like, man, if you're in the gym, he goes, he's one of the funniest dudes. But he goes, yeah, but you put the microphone in front of him, he freezes. And so he's talking about Chris Gutierrez. And I was like, you know, it's got to be kind of weird. 
you're, you're Chris Gutierrez. You're this, you know, up and coming band of weight. You're trying to work your way up the rankings, but now you're taking on a legend that has said this is his final matchup. And Cody mentioned to me, he said, he goes, well, apparently Chris has some issues with Frankie from back in Chris's world series of fighting days. So it'd be interesting to see maybe if that story comes out, who knows, maybe that has something to do with, with Frankie's manager more than it does, has to do with Frankie. Um, but yeah, don't, don't believe Frankie Eggers retired. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't, I, it's impossible for me to believe it. Look, I can't blame you. I hope this is it just because he is 41 years old, right? Like, like, dude, think about the war Frankie Edgar was in against Gray Maynard. It's been 12 years more of fighting or 11 years more of fighting after that war. And he'd already had a full career, dude. Uh, I hope that's it. You might be right. I mean, dude, Frankie, I don't know much about him outside of the cage, but he he just seems like one of those guys that could just be a coach for a long time and or just do anything. I mean, he's had a whole hell of a lot of UFC fights. I'm sure he was smart with his money and he'll be able to – live his life doing whatever the hell he wants. He probably has got the answers for it. But um, yeah, I hope that's it. I wish he would have had uh, an opponent that wasn't going to destroy his legs, uh, who wasn't a young <laughs> shark looking to make his name off of him, because I do feel like Chris Gutierrez is very likely going to win this fight, and it's probably going to be gnarly because of the leg kicks. Uh, I kind of wish it was more of like that super fight type thing against another legend. That would have been nice, but it's okay. Uh, shout out to Frankie, one of the best fighters of all time, a guy who's perennially underrated. You know, he kind of reminds me of Demetrius Johnson before Demetrius Johnson was Demetrius Johnson. But, you know, never you can never understate how big of a deal it was for him to dethrone BJ Penn. I mean, this is a point I get too often, but I, I, I just always remember how it felt like Anderson, GSP, and BJ could never be beaten whenever they were champions at that time. And Frankie did it. He It was a massive upset. And he's after the lightweight run, he eventually had a really good run at featherweight. And uh, it's crazy to think that he's been fighting at bantamweight. But, yeah, look, this is what I think is going to happen. Uh, I think Chris Gutierrez is going to destroy the leg of Frankie Edgar. And in round three, Frankie Edgar is going to come from behind. He's going to pull an upset. He's going to pull come from behind finish. And uh, Frankie will retire gracefully. That is my uh, bold prediction on this fight. Is it bold or your hope? Hope, hope, and bold, and, and absolutely irrational. What's the what's the betting odds on that fight, Jason? Do you, who's who's the favorite? Who's the dog? I'm sure Gutierrez is the favorite, but how big of a favorite is he? Minus two twenty. Hmm. Hmm. That's not too bad. I mean, it just feels like clearly it's a setup for him to win, and uh, there's just something about like the athleticism and the speed someone has at his age versus Frankie, who's career was based around speed i think or a part of it was uh and you know when you're 41 years old you lose a whole lot of that fast twitch athleticism yeah i'm trying to find the ufc odds here here it is i want to see what chris gutierrez wins via decision is is he tip uh plus 163 uh bet what's uh what's uh what's tko there is not one listed right now. No, oh, because yeah, I'd be I'd be interested. I know he wins by decision usually, but yeah, there's a part of me that really thinks he could finish this fight via leg kicks. I I, w- I, I could see that happening. In terms of the betting odds, I was surprised on the betting odds on the main event. I thought Izzy would be a bigger favorite than what he is. He's minus one ninety. I thought he'd be like minus two fifty or so. Yeah, I think. 
I think the thing is this. I think everyone who's been a part of this story really feels like Alex Pereira has the mental edge in this fight, has the confidence edge. It just feels like that. When you read the quotes and the general mood, even though Israel Adesanya is the second best fighter on the planet right now behind Volkanovsky, and, well, maybe he's three, uh, even though he's that good and he has defended the championship so many times, Alex Pereira has really controlled the narrative of this pre-fight hype, and I think that's played out in the betting lines. Yeah, you know the crazy thing about this one? That if you look at Izzy's record, he's his last three wins, all via decision, the last time he won a fight via stoppage, two years ago against Paulo Costa. That is crazy. Do you think so? Are you saying that to say, do you think this fight goes the distance, Jason? Do you think this fight is stopped? What's going on here? What's uh what's your pool? I don't I guess I would question is if this becomes a mixed martial arts fight not a kickboxing matchup does alex have the 25 minute cardio we know izzy does we've seen him do it and like something you you were talking about there with what happened in in their their kickboxing matchup it, it makes me wonder is there a false sense of security on alex's side of the equation of i know i can knock this guy out yeah i, I mean like look like it's it's tough to bet against Izzy, but you know one of the things of I I feel like for some people I, I you know they're down on Izzy because you know some of his recent fights haven't been the most exciting fights in the world, and, and maybe Alex is going to bring that out of him in this one. Yeah, I think I think he is because I feel like Alex is probably going to be aggressive. But who knows? Maybe Alex is going to overthink himself, and we're going to have another situation in an Adin Sanya fight where these two guys respect each other so much they don't do crap. And that's the thing that happens. Like, once you get to this level of Adin Sanya, sometimes these fights suck because you're so good, your fights are boring because you literally aren't doing any offense because you're not putting yourself at risk and you're only taking what your opponent gives you. But your opponent respects you so much, so they don't do anything either. And you you might as well just, you know, turn off the fight because nothing's going to happen for 25 minutes. That can happen when the style bender fights and it has nothing to do with him because he's just doing things that logically make sense for his fight game. And I think Alex is probably going to throw caution in the wind. Um, but man, when you take this into account, you, you look at odd Sanya's reputation, you look at those betting odds and you look at the fact that he's defending against a guy who's six and one. I mean, that's it. My man Pereira is six and one. He's had seven professional fights. He hasn't really shown a lot aside from his sweet stand-up. He hasn't gone 25 minutes in a mixed martial arts fight. He has gone five rounds in kickboxing, but by and large, it was three-minute rounds. I, uh, I like Izzy in this fight, but he's got to be concerned about the power. Because the one thing is, despite the seven-fight resume, Pereira went up against one of the best middleweights in the world, as deranged and crazy as he may be in Sean Strickland, and he wasted him. Wasted him. Dude, did you see Sean Strickland's latest um, post? What is it? No, I didn't see it. Taking a rifle into the shower. 
Why? Why? <laughs> it's Sean Strickland, man. Is something going to come out of the gutter? I mean, that's just that's just. You know, I just feel like he uh, he needs to get enrolled in like gun safety classes because I just feel like that's a major no no. <laughs> Excuse me, I didn't mean to completely belch on air. Damn, I, I'm talking Sean Strickland. I just started and, just acting rational myself. And by the way, it was a AK-47 that he went into the shower with. I feel like if you have an AK-47 to defend yourself in a closed space, that's a bad idea. I, so, I don't know much about like ricochets and, and stuff like that. So I, I found this story over on the Daily Mail. In the clip, the 31-year-old North Carolina native says, I'm going to give you some guys some advice. Showering with your AK is the most effing American thing to do. It's not effing weird. Alongside the video, Strickland wrote, Lesson number three in my tactical course. You always, always shower with your AK. She likes to be dirty, but not that dirty. I will say this. If Sean Strickland's being sarcastic, if he's in on the joke, this is funny and it's, you know, I just don't know if he is or isn't. I don't know if Sean Strickland is um, the modern day Andy Kaufman, or if he's legit crazy. But uh, I hope he's. I hope he's in on the joke because it is funny. But also, if he's like serious, you know, it's like come on. But but the, when I saw his room, I'm like, maybe he is serious. Like when I saw his restroom, I was like, this is insane. This is a crazy person. This is this is uh, Sean should not be fighting. He needs to learn how to have a proper restroom. You know, it's it's a sacred place. And uh, that restroom was just a, it's something I have nightmares about. I just wonder, is he truly like that when cameras aren't rolling? I, I don't think so because that's a lot. That's, that's just a lot. Like when you're chilling, like when we're done podcasting, I'm going to spend eight hours of my day, not talking, walking at the computer. Like that's just who I am. You know, I'm just chill. But for Sean, I, I, I just can't imagine being like that all the time. But I also can't imagine doing half of the things he does. But, uh, yeah, Sean Strickland, the type of guy where we can just go on a complete tangent because he's so peculiar. But at the end of the day, Alex came in and beat the hell out of him, and now he's got a championship fight. Alex is incredibly dangerous in this fight. Incredibly dangerous. This fight stands, starts on the feet. Odd and Sonya may want to come out here and, and be like, yo, I'm going to prove I'm a damn good striker. I'm going to prove this is my king. This is my world that you have come into, and I'm going to beat you at your own game. That's probably a really bad idea because it puts yourself in a position to get knocked the F out, which has happened to him against his opponent in a different sport. So it's really interesting. It's a hell of a main event, dude. I'm excited for this main event. I'm excited for Chandler Poirier. You know, uh, the, the women's strawweight fight, I, I just – the, the, the problem is Carlos Barza doesn't have the most exciting fight style. That's a concern. But Zhang Li, man, she's a fun fighter to watch, bro. She is a fun – dude, the idea of um, – I need to check if they fought before. The idea of Zhang Li taking on Amanda Lemos, dude, that's a fight I want to see. Like that's that that's that would be an absolute ba- – if Zhang Li wins this fight, screw it. Give Lemos a title opportunity because Lemos Zhang, holy crap, that's a fight. But, uh, yeah, I mean – when I'm looking at these two championship fights, Jason, I think we're going to have one new champion. I think Adam Sonia will successfully defend his championship, and I think Zhang Wei Li will win the championship from Carlos Barza. But it's going to be a close one. 
Oh, she is a minus 360 betting favorite. Carla is? No, no, no. Oh, same? Yeah. Well, dude, dude, how could... Okay, here's the thing about this fight. Zeng is the better fighter. Yes. But Carla has the path to victory in terms of the wrestling. Like, she could steal three rounds. And she has shown that she, unlike a lot of fighters who have skills like that, will not ignore those skills. She will go after the takedown. She will go after her 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 path to victory. She will just commit to it. That's a dangerous thing. Damn. Zeng is that big of a favorite? Yeah. If I was in Las Vegas, I might put a couple pennies in Carla, even though I think Zeng is going to win. So the only fighter to take uh, Wei Lee down has been Rose Namajunas. Rose got two takedowns uh, in in uh, the decision, split decision loss that Wei Li had there. I mean, look, if Car- Carl has to get to the ground, Th- you, this thing plays out on the feet. It's not going to end up, end up well for Carl Esparza. And, you know, after what we saw in her last matchup, you just hope it's not a snooze fest. Yeah, you you really do ho- hope that. And I, I don't think it will be because I don't think Zeng will let it become a snooze fest. She fights really. She's a real exciting fighter. I think, um, you know, Whaley has great takedown defense, no doubt about it. I, I will say, even though she's fought Tisha Torres, I, I do think Carla's got the best wrestling out of anyone mm-hmm. Whaley has fought. That's that's worth mentioning. Um, but, yeah, I really hope it's not a snooze fest. I mean, this could be it. Although, who knows? Maybe we need it after the Chandler-Poye fight. Maybe we need it to bring us down. You know, we can go around and talk to our friends and drink a little brewski, eat a couple chicken wings, go, you know, just chill. Main event time. We might need it because uh, Chandler Poye might just be like what it would be like to do a whole line of cocaine with um, 14 bottles of ecstasy and uh, seven other drugs that are illegal. Like that just might be what that fight is with the, with the, with a bottle rocket up your butt. So I, I, for, I just wanted to see um, where I wrote, uh, watch UFC in Germany. Is this necessarily a good thing for the UFC? You know, when uh, we do something in Google, it'll say people also ask. Mm-hmm. By the way, apparently, apparently uh, UFC is on the zone in Germany. And under the people also ask, how do I watch the UFC in Europe? This is on Google. This can't be a, a great thing if you're the UFC. All you need is a VPN and set up international fight pass subscription. That's crazy. That's not good. Yes, you should look into that loophole. They should look into adjusting that Google answer. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, the if you have a VPN and you have international fight pass, what's the cost on the pay per view? No clue. I would I would guess that it's probably. I'm guessing it's just part of the. The five pass subscription, I'm guessing. Hmm. That's interesting. I wonder if there's like a culture around watching UFC pay-per-views. Like, is there a bar somewhere that's open in the middle of the night that people go and they watch UFC in Germany? I doubt it. I doubt but, it. But uh yeah. Well, I remember um I remember a couple of years ago I saw where um NBA League Pass had put a thing on, even if you VPN it. It was all based on the zip code of your credit card. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. That's messed up. Like, can't they just give it to us? Like, if we want to watch our freaking local team, you know, just be like, all right, you tried really hard. You got a VPN. You clearly want it. (laughs) We're going to let this slide. 
You gotta yeah. stop those local blackouts, man. Like I, I, dude, it's. Uh... I uh, you know, I, I've I signed up for Bally, so like I was watching the Magic and Rockets game last night. Um, but yeah, man, it's it ain't, yeah for me to watch the Magic and Lightning because they're on two different Bally RSNs. I had to do the bundle, so it, it's costing me thirty bucks a month to be able to watch the Lightning and Magic play. Um. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it's probably worth it, man. You got the rookie I, of the year. You got yeah. the Tampa Bay Lightning. Y'all win the Stanley Cup every other year. Uh, I think it's probably worth it, you know, to, to watch uh, your team get the 10th seed in the playoffs. Oh, well, <laughs> look, Paul is a great player. Um, yeah, we can't win. We can't win a game. The Rockets beat us last night. That that's we, we beat y'all last night. Yeah, it was like one thirty four to one thirty one or something like that. No defense basketball. Damn it! I don't want to win a single game. I don't want to win a single game <laughs> as a Rockets fan. Oh, dude, screw y'all! Oh, I can't catch a break. The Rockets won a game. Come on, man. We need to get one Benyama in here. We need to get one Benyama in this house. I'm excited. He's he's uh he's gonna change the game, man. He's gonna be the next. You know the next Hakeem Olajuwon for the city of Houston because we don't we don't talk about James Harden here. No, you don't. No, that's not a that that dude. That dude went out here and he just he just uh, he was uh, awesome, and then he just came out and he was just. Uh, you know. I'm, gu- I'm guessing the strip clubs miss him. <sighs> yeah, economically it's been rough. <laughs> it's been rough. Yeah, we uh man uh NBA is just a. Uh, Absolute wild. It's just, it's crazy times in, in the league, but you know we'll, we'll see. Crazy times in the world. Crazy, crazy story we started off the show with, and God only knows what the hell we're going to be talking about next week. I'm sure we'll be talking about these fights, but I know there'll be something stupid. There'll be some crazy story. Whenever the UFC is yeah. in Madison Square Garden, I feel like it's going to attract all the influencers. It's gonna, there's going to be a Connor story. There's going to be a Jake Paul story. I mean, I saw his brother on WWE this past Sunday. There's going to be all these stories, but uh, we shall see where, where where the ball lies, where the dice rolls when we, when we reconvene next week. Yeah, uh, I'm guessing bad decision. Good chance that's probably going to happen at some point on Saturday. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we saw one with Roundtree. We, uh, we saw one with Jan and O'Malley. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll be a maybe it'll be a, the Dan Hooker fight. Uh, you know, he needs that win against Claudio. He really um, does. No question. Um, but yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to uh, being over in Germany. Got got to have uh, you know some German beer. You know, you got you got to you got to get one at least. And I'm not really a have one kind of guy. <laughs> Me neither, buddy. Me neither. It's, I'm know. gonna take five. I'm gonna take yeah. five. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, of course, uh, back here uh, next week. By the way, uh, no Sunday edition of the podcast coming up this week as uh, I'm not going to be able to get that show in. So myself and Dale will be back here next week for the midweek edition. Of course, appreciate everyone tuning in. Of course, uh, be sure to like, subscribe, share, all that stuff. Great way to show your support for the podcast. That's going to do it for this edition of the MMA Report podcast, which you can hear on your favorite podcasting platform, RadioInfluence.com, and on the MMA Report YouTube channel.